Show, presented by B&B Automotive and Superior Auto Service. Two remarkable businesses, one amazing family. At 135, we're going to have a listen in. Greg McElroy, always be college football. He actually ventured into, it's from this week. If you don't know what a listen is, maybe you're new to town, new to Louis Bellina show. I listen to things all week. I listen to Greg McElroy's Always Be College Football. I, they didn't do it this year, which I was kind of stunned, but they used to have the NFL draft podcast that used to be McShay, Kuyper, and then Reed, the third draft expert from ESPN. Man, that was must listen to me. And I listen to them anymore. I, I listen to Smartless, which is the Will Arnett, Jason Bateman uh, podcast. Bono was on there recently. I can't wait to listen to that one. But my point is, I listen in. When I hear something, I think that adds to what we and I talk about, things I've brought up, uh, SEC, I kind of cut it out, bring it in here and share it with you. Well, this week, Greg McElroy talked about all the new offensive coordinators and the offensive coordinator carousel. And AM was a part of the offensive coordinator carousel. It comes up late like at the end, and it's it's kind of funny-ish even, but it's interesting. We're going to listen in Greg McElroy breaking down the offensive coordinator carousel in college football. That's about 135. You've got 53 minutes left if you'd like to win a $50 gift card to Rudy's. <sighs> Rudy's Barbecue, home of the green chili stew. And all you have to do is text me. What's on your mind? What are you thinking? Anything. But you can't just give me the card. I want barbecue. I mean, the lazy stuff don't work. We throw those away. Text me what's on your mind. And it doesn't have to be sports, to be clear, but we ask you put about at least like 20% effort into it. 979-693-1150. 979-693-1150. Light up the Texas Mobile One Lube Express inbox and... Well, heck, light it up now. Texas Mobile and Loop Express, owned by Gabriel Garcia. College football notebook. Devin Price, former AM wide receiver, entered the transfer portal in December. He used his social media last night. He's going to App State, Appalachian State. Wish him nothing but the best of luck. Nine out of ten players, always wish him nothing but the best of luck. You come here, it doesn't work out. You gave it a shot. Best of luck. You know, whose fault? I don't care, generally. But when it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And best of luck. Players that come here and don't give it a shot, I don't wish best of luck. Players that come here and, I don't know, think that leaving the hotel room to go out of town to go to a party the night before a game, I don't necessarily, I don't wish evil tidings, but I'm not going to wish them the best of luck. That's too dumb to to waste up the luck in the world. Devin Price, I wish him luck in App State. He obviously had an eye on them. I mean, they upset A&M at Kyle Field. In case you don't know, but most probably do know, but Devin Price is the son of A&M defensive ends coach Terry Price, who may be, Terry Price, A&M DN coach, may be the greatest barbecue coach in the country. 979-693-1150. A lot of people put food out, Twitter, Instagram, other things. Every time I see a tweet from him, I find myself getting drooly and just wishing I was there. And I can't say that. I mean, I, 
you know, legendary chefs put out photos of their food, and I go, okay. Terry Price does photos of his food, and I, I get happy. I'm the dog wagging his tail, okay? Ooh, that's just good stuff. I got to calm down. 979-693-1150. College football notebook. The Ryan Day offensive coordinator thing is fascinating to me. He told Kirk Herbstreet before the Ohio State semifinal playoff game that he was stepping down as the OC after the playoff run. They got eliminated the next day, and that Herbstreet felt comfortable in sharing that. And it was assumed, based upon that revelation, that Ryan Day was stepping down as the play caller at Ohio State. There's been many that wanted him to in thinking he was the last thing holding their offense back. And if you know anything about the Ohio State offense over the years, nothing has held its back, held held it back actually. Their defense has. But oh, that's a whole different conversation. And we're not here to talk Ohio State for an hour. But but Ohio State was meeting with the media. Ohio State was Ryan Day was told reporters yesterday that he hasn't decided if he's relinquishing the play calling duties this fall, and he won't decide for a few months. They hired Brian Hartline to be the, I don't know, what is he, the wide receivers coach and offensive coordinator? And he will call plays all spring, and you got to get it. few months, spring football, Ryan Day will watch Brian Hartline in action, I guess, and then make his mind up at the end of spring football, maybe prior to summer. He doesn't. He can wait to fall camp. He's the head coach, but... The wishy-washiness of it. I mean, I don't think Herb Street made up his conversation with Ryan Day. So, Ryan Day, by the way, and I get it. He's been the play caller for Ohio State since 2017, before he was the head coach. But does this sound familiar to you? Ryan Day said he's become more open to the idea of turning over, you know, play calling. Why? High-profile responsibility because of increasing non-football-related demands of being the head coach. He wants to take a look, closer look at his time management. He wants to make sure he has enough of a presence going around the building. When Jimbo talked about play calling, uh, you know, it never came up, okay, is your offense out of date? Uh, uh, you know, are you having trouble in-game? You know, why do you have six sheets? The things that fans mock. And not all of it's right. His problem was O-line, never his offense. It's it, His offense, it'd still be old and not necessarily most, but it would work if he had no line. But when Jimbo, and in season, you could tell there's a shift. Every Monday, here on The Zone, we would listen to his media day. You could hear the day it shifted. And he he kind of shared his moment in, in, in you know, I need to manage the team, not just the offense. I need to manage more of. And a lot of coaches are coming to that conclusion because it is so huge. I mean, you got NIL and Portal on top of what they already had, and how can you do it all? The answer is kind of, you kind of can't. You kind of can't. So Ryan Day, that's the why he might not call plays. Again, enough of a presence going around the building is the truth. He does need to be seen in the defensive meetings and not just in his quarterback you know, room as the quarterback's coach and play caller. You already know Alabama, Washington OC, Ryan Grubb. Grubb decided to stay. That's old news from this week. 
It's fascinating, though. Ryan Grubb was willing to turn down Nick Saban to stay. Ryan Grubb was willing to turn down Alabama to stay. Ryan Grubb was willing to turn down a fast track to being a head coach himself to stay. And that was a test. Look, $2 million is what he makes. Bama could offer him two five, but he's already making, you know, $2 million coordinator, two five. The money's in the same zip code. So half a million years significant, but Washington would have got close enough. It wasn't about money. The idea of the talent he could have called for at Alabama and being with Nick Saban and what it would have meant for his next head coaching gig. And this was about, I don't know, loyalty, things that are dying in, in modern sports, but this was about loyalty. I didn't realize I knew they had been together, you know, at Washington, but Kalen DeBoer, head coach, Washington, and Ryan Grubb, they were together at Washington right now, Fresno State, Eastern Michigan, Sioux Falls, and back when uh, Kalen DeBoer was running an NAIA program. So, yeah, you could see... They've been through the worst of it, the best of it. They have served time together. And that's what this came down to. Because in every other workplace grading evaluation, you go to Alabama. But the money was close enough. And again, he couldn't couldn't leave his partner. I, I think that's incredible. Urban, we're in the college football notebook if you're wondering what we're talking about. And Lou, where are you going with all this? I'm just talking, hey, things that caught my attention, things that fascinate me, okay? Urban Meyer, he was speaking with the media. He was asked, what are the top, oh, I want to be correct here. He was on a podcast. He was on a podcast. He was asked for the top five jobs in college football. And he gave six. He was asked for five and he gave six. And I always chuckle at stuff like that. Why is it so hard to actually give five when asked five? Name the top 10 players and they name 15. And you're like, um, you just spent 30 minutes not answering my question. (laughs) It's true. Anyway, here's his top six. It's not really in any order, by the way. Georgia, of course. Ohio State, of course. LSU, LSU's probably five, but it is a top five program in the country. Always has been, too. This is where it gets kind of interesting. Those three are, I I, I will allow it. Georgia, Ohio State, Florida, uh, Georgia, Ohio State, LSU, top three out of six. And then he went Florida, Florida State, and USC. At one time, but only for a certain stretch of time, Florida and Florida State ruled the universe. The Miami schools, they're the hurricanes in there. Now, Urban Meyer did a great job of explaining it. And what he did is actually recruiting bases. You notice there's no Texas. And there's no Texas A&M. Wouldn't be Texas A&M a top five. Texas would maybe have an argument. But the current state of Florida and recruiting. And it's because Florida now has IMG Academy. And no, those kids shouldn't count as Florida kids, but they do when it comes to recruiting. And that's part. And then from there, of course, it's money and support, which Florida State 
doesn't qualify on that. Florida State's wrong. I think Urban Meyer's wrong. Florida's a yes. Florida's a top five program, even though it's been a decade and a half, not two decades since they've shown it. But it actually is from resources to recruiting base. But why do they make such mud hires a coach? I think Napier will be different. I hope he gets a chance. USC should be, but when your last glory years were almost as long ago as A&M's, I don't think it's true anymore. So if Urban Meyer six, I will accept four. Georgia, Ohio State, Florida, and LSU. What name is not in there? Alabama. He didn't list Alabama. That's, after he released the six, a lot of the conversation, not all of it was focused on, wait a minute, you didn't say Alabama. You didn't say Alabama. He's like, recruiting does they don't have the recruiting base. Every school he says he listed has a much better recruiting base than the state of Alabama. And he's right. And he's right. And Alabama proved that an elite recruiting coach, how bad it can be when you had like Mike Shula and other such types. But it's fascinating. Think to yourself, who are the top five? And when you say programs, don't just think of for 2023. You got to think of money. You got to think of recruiting base. That's what makes up a program. Traditional administration support, traditional alumni support, money, recruiting territories, etc. And again, I will accept Georgia, Ohio State, and Florida and LSU and reject the rest. I just don't know how I'd put in the five, who I would put in the five spot. I'll be right back. A timeout. We'll grab it. This is the Louis Bellina Show from inside the Charles Schwab studio. I'm the Louis Bolina part of that. The Louis Bolina Show, presented by B&B Automotive and Superior Auto Service. I'm giving away, we'll blind draw at 2 o'clock, a $50 gift card. You text me about anything, just don't text me boring and don't text me, I want the card. Put a little effort in it. Some of the text messages, jumping into the Texas Mobile and Loop Express inbox, Hey, Louie, I was wondering, why isn't our famous quarterback, Terry Bradshaw of the Steelers, not even mentioned in the same league as Tom Brady? Terry and the crew won four Super Bowls during his career, and that's from Hot Rod and Brian. Hot Rod, Terry Bradshaw quit getting mentioned as the greatest Super Bowl quarterback uh, with um, Joe, uh, not Joe Namath. Yeah, Joe Namath. What am I talking about? It's been a while since Jerry Bradshaw ever gets mentioned with Super Bowl greatness. So, you know, with Tom Brady, no, he wouldn't even be ranked second. If we were ranking Super Bowl quarterbacks, I mean, Brady's won and then you stop, but then you want to do more on the list. So we reopen it. But, you know, Brady won. And then is number two basically Joe Montana and three like Steve Young? And then Bradshaw would be four. And this is not me dissing Bradshaw. I mean, if you're in the top three to five, no worse than in the history of. And when we talk Super Bowl, look, if you've only been to one, you're not eligible. I mean, you have to have a Super Bowl resume, I would say, to be in this conversation. But Bradshaw, and look, Hot Rod, 
I'm not saying how you and I would say it, see it, that Bradshaw would be three or four, but the general media would say that because, again, you know, Namath, I think for the longest time until Brady, Joe Namath was considered the greatest quarterback slash Super Bowl playoff quarterback of all time. And then it's Brady and it's Brady. Seven. seven. He had seven Super Bowl rings. Bradshaw's got four. Four is quite beautiful. Four is impressive. Four gets a Torbush wow. He's got seven. Andrew from College Station. Lou, I'm looking forward to D'Amico Ryan's leading the Texans with Ryan's draft picks and money to spend. There's a lot to be excited about in Houston. I hope you're right, Andrew. What they do with the 12 pick draft this year, including two in the first round, and some money, if they spend it, will determine the next five years. If they, if they butcher it, look, Nick Cesaro still in charge. Cesario still in charge. D'Amico Ryans is not running the draft. I don't even know if the Texans will let their head football coach be in the draft room at the time. So you get what I'm saying, right? The D'Amico Ryans is a big win. First win in a decade for the Texans. I'm exaggerating for effect, by the way. But I don't know how much impact. They got to win this draft. That's going to move the franchise forward. But but my fingers are crossed for the Texans. I've got Anonymous that says, hi, Louie. Thanks for your great show. Keep charging. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Look, um, you know, here's what I'll say. I appreciate the praise. I have no clue if my show is great. That might sound weird. All I've known, and I've been doing the Louis Bellina show, first word with Louis Bellina, 23 years and change now. I come in here each day. I have fun. Rule number one. I have fun. Sports is not life or death. I'm sorry. I'm not going to throw hands over it. I'm going to enjoy it. So I have fun. I kind of got a couple of rules. If I have fun, people have, if you have fun, people want to play with you. That's life. That's not sports talk radio. And if you laugh, people laugh with you. And that's what I try and do Monday through Friday. I know I'd say things people don't want to hear. Not optimal for some. I don't apologize, but I'm not going out of my way to poke you in the eye. I'm not one of those people. I've not... 99.82% of the time, I'm not trying to intentionally troll anyone. I'm not trying to intentionally anger. I'm not speaking for effect at all. But I do say what I think and I do say what I believe and the things I things I think and believe are bent are they're based upon time spent. I don't spend 10 seconds and go, this is what I believe. Sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. If you've lived long enough, sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. So I do what I do. I hope others want to party along. Always appreciate the company. Have fun. Make sure to laugh. You get the point. Spider and College Station. Are players staying in college an extra year because NIL deals are worth more than pro deals? No. 
especially for later round guys that might not make the final cut on the trail sometimes. <laughs> Going at it from a pure statistical number, no. Yeah, just as like, it's still an insane number of people that went into the portal. You have. the You talk about those late round guys. And now that you have an ideals, could they be staying? I'm sure there's some circumstance. So the answer will be yes, even if the number's 1-2%. I would argue with the, in general, no. Because those guys that were six-round picks and left a year early never believed they were six-round picks. They talked to people that told them they were first-round picks, and they're the only people they listen to anyway. If you think you're a first-round pick, you're not going to get more from NIL money. So you're going to make the same mistake because you're listening to the same people with the same god-awful advice. And that's the problem that bites these kids, that it's a mistake. Mistake. When they enter the NFL draft. NIL money won't fix the mistake of bad advice. Now, I don't want to say it's a 100% thing, but I do think that's the majority. So... I'm sure whether it's 1% or 8% of the kids have been helped by NIL to not make that mistake. But I would argue that 90% plus have the same bad advisors, same yes men, same people in it for themselves that tell them the same stupid stuff. You're not a six-round pick. Screw that NFL evaluation. All you need is one team to love. You're a first-round pick. And that's all the player wants to hear. Anonymous says... You know, as frustrating as Aggie football team was in 2020, I think the Dallas Cowboys frustrate me more and continue to do so. Firing OC and letting Mike call plays. And then, oh, those emoji things are back. And this is kind of like the surprise face. Finally, Randy and Frisco. I don't know, Lou. Seems Alabama is as closer, closer for kids in Georgia, Tennessee, even Louisiana. Then the distance for some kids in Texas to College Station seemed like Alabama's in a pretty good spot to recruit. To me, a Randy, no. Nick Saban is, and there's a difference. That's why when you rank the program, if you want to tell me that Nick Saban will be the head coach of Alabama for eternity, then we have a conversation. Nick Saban is closer. You have to take the university because not every coach can recruit at Nick Saban's level. Alabama's not as close to those places as, you know, for some kids in Texas to College Station. Not even the same thing. Nick Saban is the greatest recruiter in the history of college football. That doesn't mean Alabama is. Nick Saban is. Yes, he's got the A on his sweatshirt. He's got the A on his, you know, polo, but Nick Saban is. You have to grade the universities, and measure them differently. When we return, up next, a listen-in. This is the Louis Bellina Show from inside the Charles Schwab studio, Thursday. Put our hands up like the ceiling can hold us. Tomorrow is Friday. We all know what day Friday is, and we know when it's coming. Bryce Jones, noon till 1, will join me inside the Charles Schwab studio. We'll go over the results from the Grimes County cook-off. Uh, I mentioned it Monday. They were the grand champions. Took a first, a third, a fifth, and more. We'll get all the details. We'll talk barbecue and more with Bryce Jones. He's the head 
Pitmaster for the Smoking Aces competition team. We'll talk. Like I said, barbecue and more tomorrow noon till 1. But it's still today. This is a listen-in. Greg McElroy this week decided to break down the offensive coordinator carousels, changes, and more. And yeah, A&M gets a mention in there too. Josh Gaddis has officially been let go by the Miami Hurricanes. Now, this is kind of an interesting move. This was the, I mean, the biggest hire of the 2021 offseason, it felt like. Everyone talking, oh, Josh Gaddis, he's going to be going from Michigan down to Miami, and he's going to revitalize this offense. He's going to do all these amazing things. I mean, we spent months talking about Josh Gaddis. And what a big hire for Mario Cristobal. What a huge, huge coup to be able to go and get an established coach that's great recruiter, already obviously tons of bona fides with what he's accomplished at Michigan. He's already been in the Southeast in the past. Like, this is a slam dunk. Well, obviously, we know that the year for Miami wasn't that great. I mean, they finished 86th in total offense. They averaged about 367 yards a game. That's down from the 2021 season that saw Miami rank, gosh, in the top 20 in most offensive statistical categories. Remember, in 2021, this is a group that averaged nearly 450 yards of offense. Now, uh, I know that there were other things about that Miami team, but Rhett Lashley parlayed that into a head job at SMU. I mean, so this Miami team really took a step back in Mario Cristobal's first year, and as a result, Josh Gaddis is no longer the offensive coordinator. Now, it's kind of interesting, too, because we talked about Gaddis last year as if this guy is a no-doubt future head coach. No doubt, right? Like, this guy, without question, is going to be on the short list here in the next couple years of a potential head coach candidate. Well, obviously, I think that this is a little bit early to start rushing to judgment. Look, I know that Miami struggled. I know that Van Dyke really didn't resemble the guy he was coming into last year. I mean, everyone thought Van Dyke was just going to take the world by storm. It's going to be a first-round pick, all these other things, and he didn't really have a great year. But, man, you think about it. You've already lost your your quarterback coach, Frank Ponce. He's going to be going to Appalachian State to be the offensive coordinator. Now you have an offensive coordinator job open. Where will they go? It's going to be fascinating, I think, to figure out what does Mario Cristobal's offense want to be? Who do they want to look like? What do they want to do? Do they want tempo? Do they want to try to establish it at the line of scrimmage, which is how we kind of anticipated things going, but things to happen this late in the cycle, it is a little bit unique. Maybe they look to potentially going and maybe having a conversation with an NFL coordinator or something like that. But that was a significant move that kind of shook me up a little bit. I didn't forecast a change being made there in Miami. Another move that might happen as of right now, as we're taping this right now, Todd Munkin is still the coordinator for the Georgia Bulldogs, the offensive coordinator. And what a job he did over the last couple of years, man. I mean, Todd Munkin has done a terrific job kind of revolutionizing this Georgia offense and the way that they were able to use different personnel groupings, the way that he was able to move and get creative with Brock Bowers, the way he was able to feature some of the running backs in the passing game as well. And then to see what Stetson Bennett became under his tutelage tells you all you need to know. If you look at the fact that Stetson Bennett, 
Stetson Bennett, okay, who, by the way, I think is a very good player. You guys know that. But this is an offense that averaged 500 yards a game with his leadership, 41 points per game with his leadership. And when you think about Stetson Bennett throwing for over 4,100 yards and 27 touchdowns against just seven interceptions, that's because of Todd Munkin. And it's clear that the NFL has taken notice. I mean, the way he's able to use different formations, the way he's able to feature players, the way that he has been able to empower an offense that had traditionally been, hey, don't turn the ball over. Well, he's definitely brought Georgia into a new world. And he has NFL pedigree. This is a guy that has been with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's been the coordinator with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's been with the Cleveland Browns. So he's been around the NFL in the past. And I really think he's probably going to have a difficult decision to make because I think NFL teams, they definitely want him. <laughs> now it's just, does he want to stick with Georgia? Or does he want to go to the NFL where the lifestyle and the quality of life is better than that of college? <laughs> college, you're recruiting all the time. It's a difficult gig for sure. So if you can call plays up there in the show, most people would take advantage of that. But it'll be interesting. He's had interviews with Tampa Bay. He's got an interview with Baltimore. We'll keep you updated with whether or not Todd Munkin decides to return to the, uh, to the NFL. Another interesting coordinator hire that was made by Oklahoma State. This one's fascinating, by the way. How many of you have heard of Brian Nardo? I hadn't. <laughs> I didn't know who he was. I'd never heard the guy's name before in my life. But upon further review, Brian Nardo is pretty interesting when it comes to the hire that was made for Oklahoma State. He was at Division II, Gannon University, and... They actually had a ridiculously good defense, relatively speaking. Now, they're 24th nationally. They gave up 287 yards per game. I don't have access to Gannon University tape. I couldn't tell you what he's running. I can't tell you what coverages they run. I can't tell you what defensive front they run. I've read a few things, but I can't confirm it with my own eyes. So until I can, I'm going to resist making a judgment about what the, this fire was great. What I will say, remember, Jim Knowles is at Ohio State now, but Jim Knowles was at Oklahoma State. And if you go back and look at Jim Knowles' history, whether it be in the Ivy Leagues or some lower levels of college football, Jim Knowles is kind of similar to Brian Nardo in that sense that he's a self-made dude and really wasn't given a whole lot other than just being a great defensive mind. So it appears like maybe Mike Gundy's going down this same rabbit hole and saying, hey man, we kind of elevated Jim Knowles after he maybe didn't have the, you know, the storybook coaching tree, but we hired him. He did amazing things for us. And he parlayed that into a great defensive coordinator job with Ohio State. Maybe Mike Gundy's going this route again. Division two, go and get a guy that's self-made that's great from an exo standpoint. Let's hope. Let's hope that it works out really well for the Pokes as they move forward. Other things that have gone on as far as the coaching world is concerned. Recently, Kirk Campbell was elevated to quarterback coach at Michigan. Remember, Matt Weiss was let go, 
had the incident that was going on with the computer. Who knows? I don't even know what it was, but I know that he was let go. Sheryl Moore is obviously the offensive coordinator, but they just decided to promote from within. Kurt Campbell was an analyst. Now he's the quarterback coach for Michigan. What does that mean? Does that mean anything? Is it significant? Does it matter? Probably not. I get the sense, though, when you look at what Michigan's become, there's still going to be a team that focuses on running the football. There's still going to be a team that wants to heavy play action, passing attack, marries up with the run game. So I don't think that this is going to change a whole lot. As long as Jim Harbaugh's there, they're going to run a tough physical brand of football. They've already done a great job in the portal going out and getting established offensive linemen. They already have a bunch of guys that have played already that are going to be returning and featured spots. I think Michigan doesn't take a step back whatsoever. They should be just fine coming in to 2023. Let's also talk a little bit about what's going on currently with Alabama. We probably, if you were with us at any point last week, we told you that Bill O'Brien was likely going to go. Well, really over the last couple of weeks, I don't think this was a great you know, secret. I think everybody for the most part knew that if Bill O'Brien was presented an opportunity to get back to the NFL, he was likely going to take that. Now, I don't think Nick Saban wanted to necessarily make a move. I don't think he did. I think he liked both Pete Golding and Bill O'Brien. I think he loved having those guys on the staff. But I think if the opportunity presented itself for those two to go, I think that they were probably going to make the most of of that opportunity. Uh, Pete Golding going to Ole Miss, very interesting to me. Very, very interesting. Pete Golding, of course, cut from the Saban cloth. Very similar to Nick Saban as far as his personality is concerned. Wants to be so detail-oriented when it comes to the game plan and putting together a smart, cerebral, defensive plan. I think Pete Golding's a really good coach. Anyone that's that's heard me in the past, I think very highly of Pete Golding. I really do. And I think this was a great hire for Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. Now, Bama fans rejoiced because they don't feel like the Bama defense has been up to the standard that Bama's had in the past. Fair enough. But Pete Golding is an excellent coach. What's interesting, though, when you look at what Ole Miss has been the last few years defensively, whether it you know they've had multiple different coordinators, they've kind of changed a little bit. But DJ Durkin, for instance, was there two years ago. He's now at Texas A&M. Well, DJ Durkin traditionally wants to be a four-down defensive line with good pass rushers on the edges and play nickel defense. That's what DJ Durkin has traditionally been at some of his previous stops. Well, at Ole Miss, he adopted the 3-3-5, where they basically played three safeties over the top, and they didn't want to allow big plays. Now, that makes you susceptible to the run game. It makes you susceptible to some of the underneath stuff in the passing game, but... That's what Lane Kiffin wanted. Why? Because that's what worked against Lane Kiffin's offense. So Lane has kind of morphed and changed a little bit with what the identity of his defense is going to be. Now you bring in Pete Golding. And Pete Golding, while he does have variations of 3-3-5, he does have variations where they can basically just keep the ball in front of him. I call it glorified prevent in some ways, but not to the same extent. He does have that in his arsenal, and they've used it against Mississippi State in the past, but that's not who he is. It's going to be really interesting to see, does Pete Golding bring the Alabama defense to Oxford, Mississippi, or does he adopt 
the principles of what Ole Miss has done defensively in the last handful of years. That's something to keep an eye on. As far as Alabama's offensive coordinator is concerned, Bill O'Brien obviously left, but this is, I think, one of the biggest hires of Nick Saban's career. Maybe not to the same extent as the 2014 Lane Kiffin, you know, bring the offense into the new era higher. That was the biggest. There's no denying that. But you think about what is coming. Bama now, still, national championship aspirations every single year. That's not going to change for as long as Nick Saban's there. They're going to be in the mix to win a national championship. But where are they going to go? Are they Obviously, they're going to run the Alabama offense, right? But there's been buzz and rumors about Jeff Lebby being in the mix. There was rumors about maybe Garrett Riley. If he didn't take Clemson, would he have potentially been in the mix in Tuscaloosa? Those were all rumors. I don't know whether they're true, if they're substantiated or not. It doesn't necessarily matter. What matters, though, is if Nick Saban hires Jeff Lebby, for instance, then Jeff Lebby's offense does not really resemble anything that Alabama's done traditionally. He's a tempo guy that wants to go hyper speed. And there's some aspects of the Baylor system that Tennessee's running. Obviously, Oklahoma's running it. TCU ran variations of it. That Baylor system is everywhere, but that's not who Bama's been. So it'll be really interesting to see if Nick Saban decides to go in that direction and hire a guy that's rooted in tempo and rooted in stretching the field vertically. A lot of other moves that have also been made throughout college football. Garrett Riley. He's now come up three times. Him going to Clemson is massive. Massive. I cannot even put into words how significant that is. Why? Because Garrett Riley, one, Cade Klubnick, is, I think, a very talented individual. Very, very talented. And now Garrett Riley, what did he just do with Max Duggan? I mean, he waved the magic wand and made him a star. But what's he going to do now with Cade Klubnick? And kind of like what we just talked about with Alabama, Clemson traditionally, they'll do a lot offensively. But what they haven't been is Baylor, tempo, speed, vertical. Like, that's not who they've been. So it's going to be really interesting to see how much does Garrett Riley alter what they've been traditionally, and does he kind of conform to the Clemson offense that we've seen for the last five or six years? And you listen to what Dabo Sweeney talked about really throughout the course of last offseason. He emphasized line of scrimmage. Hey, we need to be able to run the ball. Will Shipley's our best player. We need to be able to run the ball. We need to take the pressure off the quarterback. Well, they didn't do a great job of that last year. The offensive line was up and down. Garrett Riley now, his offense is going to make that offensive line a whole heck of a lot better. But will they continue to try to do what they wanted to do going into last season? That's going to be something that will be interesting to follow as well. Finally, tell you about a couple other coordinator moves that we haven't really had a chance to discuss. South Carolina will keep it in the state there with the Clemson Tigers. They go out and they get Dowell Logans. Now, a lot of people say, well, who's Dowell Logans, right? Dowell Logans is an excellent coach. He was at Arkansas previously, but has spent a decent amount of time in the NFL. It's going to be fascinating to see what style of offense they run there. Do they run more Arkansas Kendall Bryles, 
or do they run, you know, the South Carolina offense that they ran the last couple of years? That's going to be something that will be worth monitoring as well. Kendall Bryles just mentioned him. He has become the TCU offensive coordinator. Interesting move here, I might add. Kendall, of course, was very highly paid at Arkansas. Did a really nice job, I think, for most of his tenure there in Fayetteville. But now he's back in the state of Texas. And his system, the way that they've run it in the past, I think that it's massive for him to be in the state of Texas. His name moves the needle. Texas High School Football Coaches Association loves Kendall Bryles. They love him. And there's a lot of very affluent businessmen and women in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that really want to support the program that Kendall Bryles is associated with. A lot of very loyal Kendall Bryles supporters. It's going to be interesting to see, is this the last time he makes a lateral move? Because I get the sense he's going to be a head coach sooner than later. I'm surprised he isn't one, at least as of this moment. So that's a little bit of our coordinator roundup. We still have a lot more that we want to get to, by the way, just for time purposes. We can't get to them all right now, but we will. I promise you, we have eight months, seven months, whatever it is. We're going to hit every single coordinator move that could possibly happen. All right. We're going to break them down. We're going to talk about them. We might even put some plays up on the board. All right. Maybe break those down a little bit if I'm allowed to. We'll, we'll see. They, sometimes coaches get a little bit upset about me, you know, doing coaches copy and maybe, maybe we'll try it. We'll see. Uh, but either way, a lot of coordinator conversation that need to happen. We're going to get to it. That's for sure. Macro, I got to stop. You can't do this whole coordinator conversation and not give me a little bit on Bobby Petrino. <laughs> I, for one, Texas A&M, of course, hiring Bobby Petrino. Is it a situation in which there might be too many cooks in the kitchen? Possibly. Possibly. And a lot of people are going to make a big deal. And, you know, we know the low hanging fruit, Bobby Petrino, and people are going to post pictures of him after the motorcycle accident, all that stuff. Like, I understand that. Okay. Like people are going to jab at him because of some of the things that have happened in his past, but you cannot deny what this guy can do from an X's and O's standpoint. This guy can coach football. He's a great offensive mind, scored a ton of points at Louisville, scored a ton of points uh, pretty much every single stop. They scored a ton of points with Arkansas there in the early 2010s. Bobby Petrino is going to score points. Here's what I'm interested in, though. Does Jimbo Fisher meddle? Or does he delegate? Because Jimbo Fisher, obviously, has called plays for a very long time and is, I think, still a really good coordinator. I know people like to think otherwise. Fair enough. I think that Jimbo, maybe there are some things that, that aren't necessarily as, I mean, he's not like a revolutionary. I mean, he's going to run traditional offense. And I look at how many young players played last year. I mean, goodness gracious, they had so many freshmen. So they were kind of hamstrung with some of the things they could or couldn't do offensively. Jimbo Fisher, his play calling, if you will, was a bit of a scapegoat if we're going to be honest, a bit of a scapegoat, but he acknowledged, Hey man, maybe I need an extra set of eyes up here. Maybe I need to go out and hire a guy that's legit and then can focus exclusively on trying to score as many points as humanly possible. That's what he did. He went out and he gets Bobby Petrino, but now will he let Bobby Petrino have full control? Cause that's what I'm wondering about. 
I think Jimbo's a good offensive mind. I think Bob Petrino's a good offensive mind. I think they're going to have really good personnel. I think Texas A&M's got a chance to be a really surprised team this year. I do. But will Jimbo Fisher completely delegate? That's what I want to find out. And until I know the answer to that question, I'm going to proceed with caution as it relates to the Texas A&M coordinator job. That was Greg McElroy. His podcast, Always Be College Football, a listen in. He ended right there with kind of the drop the mic A&M, you know, until you know, he just, you can't say anything definitively. And we won't know till maybe next year, maybe till December, the answer to those questions. When we return, we got to wrap up Thursday on the Louis Bellina Show. I sit here. I am warm. I am comfortable. I am happy inside the Charles Schwab studio. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.